DW. I like rain because rain is nice. It keeps our plants green and provides water for the animals. The most important thing for me in life is water because I would love to be a farmer. But without water, you can't farm. That's Filtino Tace. He lives on a farm with his family in South Africa's Karoo region. So he's just 12 years old and he says he doesn't remember seeing more than a few drops of rain in his life. Um, his older brothers tell him that there was a time where they did get rain there and they describe what it was like being able to farm properly and he's never witnessed that and he told us also that he, he'd he give anything to see that. Oh, that's so poignant, just the child and his biggest dream is to see the rain. I mean, I grew up in the desert and I do, I remember seeing plenty of rain. In fact, while I was growing up, I just can't imagine a life not having seen rain. Was it always like that in this region? Well, the Karoo wouldn't ever really gotten much rain. It actually means land of thirst in the old Kosan language there. But it did used to have a kind of a rainy season in the South African summer. The land would be quite lush then. People would be able to collect water. The rivers would be full. The dams would fill up. People were able to farm. But now for the last four or five years, parts of the region have been in complete drought. I mean, part of that is also connected to climate change. And there's just, there's not enough water to farm. So people there have actually been living on less than five litres of water a day. And I mean, that's for everything. That's for hygiene, that's for cooking, that's for cleaning. And the minimum required, according to the WHO, for survival is actually 7.5 to 15 litres. So actually here in Germany, we consume about, on average, 100 litres of water a day. So that's really a huge, stark difference. Yeah, gosh, 20 times the amount that this kid is living on. And World Water Day is this week, and there's a theme this year, which is valuing water. So I mentioned I grew up in the desert. Water was particularly precious to me. We valued it a lot. What about you? What's the value that you place on water? So I grew up in Ireland, so it's an island. It rains almost every day. I mean, it might not be particularly heavy rain, but, you know, we spend a lot of time complaining about the fact that it, it rains a lot. But I mean, that means we have a lot of green landscapes and a lot of agriculture and plenty of clean water, you know. And I've never really had to think about it as an existential issue. I mean, unlike Filtino and his family, for them, it means the difference between not being able to farm and, and having enough food and all that kind of stuff. For me, now, when I even think about water coming from a place of plenty also in Germany, it has a very different kind of benign meaning for me compared to places where people just really don't have enough water. I never have to worry about not having enough. Yeah. Yeah. I also grew up in an industrialized country and our taps always flowed. But that's not the case everywhere in the world. What did you find out in your research around that? Yeah. So the problems in the Karoo are actually kind of common across the world, like especially in the global south. You know, there is actually technically enough fresh water for everybody on the planet. But it's, you know, uneven and infrastructure to get clean water to people isn't always there. And then, of course, you have climate change exacerbating the issue in places hit with extreme weather and that don't have the resources to deal with those impacts. I was really shocked to find out that 2.2 billion people in the world don't actually have access to safe drinking water. 
and three billion people don't have access to basic hand washing facilities. It's like a quarter or a third of the population of the world. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that has serious health implications too, you know. In 2017, more than 1,300 children under five died each day from something as simple as diarrhea. And that's linked to inadequate water and sanitation and hygiene. And that hits children and young people particularly hard. It just seems incredibly unfair that kids are the ones who suffer most because they're really the most innocent. And it's not really a question that I would like to ask, but can you tell us more about the ways that they suffer? So Phil Tino, he told us he gets stomach problems from drinking the water, even when it's boiled. Um, But we also visited a 13-year-old Shivde Kumari. Uh, She lives in the northern Indian state of Bihar. And her village is situated in between two rivers. So during the monsoon season there, there would be a lot of rainfall, but it would fall over a period of time and the rivers would fill up and the water would just kind of spread across the land. But now they get these really heavy rains in just a few days and those cause flash floods. And that was perhaps one of the most kind of surprising bits of research that they came across in the project that flooding and drought, although they are really two of the most contrasting examples of climate breakdown, but these both affect the supply of clean water. It is this crazy paradox, and it's one that we've looked at in other episodes of Living Planet, that flooding can actually cause water scarcity. And how does this affect Shivde and her community? In the village where Shivde lives, they get their water from these kind of hand pumps outside. So when the floods happen, the pumps get submerged and the water becomes contaminated. And there are local health statistics there from her village and they they show that during the months of the monsoon that diarrhoea cases almost double because of this contaminated water. So Shiv Day herself has been sick so often that she's actually had to quit school. The water that comes into the village surrounds everything. It is contaminated, but we use it to wash our dishes, cook with it, and even drink it. And then we fall sick because of it. We get vomiting, diarrhea, coughs and colds after drinking this water. I had bouts of vomiting, diarrhea, frequent stomach aches. I had to quit school because of it. So what can be done, especially to help these kids? You know, better water infrastructure and water management um, in places like South Africa where you have a lot of droughts, so working with the water that is there. And then in Shiv Day's village, they've gone with a kind of a relatively easy fix to deal with the water issue. They've installed elevated hand pumps, so they're kind of raised up off the ground and they don't become submerged and and contaminated during the floods. So really adaptation is one of the big things. You know, we also have to think about this stuff in places like Germany, in Europe and the global north. You know, I spoke to Jenny Miller. She's the executive director of the NGO Global Climate and Health Alliance. And she has this to say. The low-income countries and the lower-income communities within any country are generally far worse impacted. And the connection there is that lower-income countries have fewer resources to be able to build the resilience of their cities and their communities or to respond to disasters when they strike. Similarly, in low-income communities within a country, 
the individuals and the community itself will have fewer resources to, you know, fewer alternatives and fewer resources to respond to the impacts. Adaptations are one thing, but ultimately Miller says too that we need to cut emissions if children like Shiv Day and Feltino are to have enough water and, and a bright future. We need to have a brighter future for the kids. I, I'm a parent and I think about this as well. Jen, thanks so much for joining us on Living Planet today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. DW.